Hello geeks, otakus, fanboys, and fangirls. Welcome to another weekly episode of The Talking Pop. It's the podcast where two brothers with two different personalities discuss pop culture news, video games, and more. And every week, something new comes to the table. I am Alfonso Berrigan, a.k.a. The Franchise, and across from me is my co-host, my brother, Andy. How's it going, guys? And of course, um, if you saw my page and... I know we we try to do a weekly, you know, keep a weekly schedule, but since me and my bro Andy, we have differently work schedules, and of course, when nine eleven happening on the Monday, because you know we try to record Mondays and put the podcast on Tuesdays. Of course, I respect for nine eleven. You know, we decide, you know, to hold off. And plus, since this was episode two of our podcast, and this was going to be a special one, we wanted to take our time and get all our notes, get everything put together. Because if you guys don't know, it is September. And something special happened 25 years ago, which is the point is what this topic is going to be about. Um, it's starting a certain dark night in September 5th, 92. If you remember the show that premiered on primetime on Fox. And, of course, you heard that famous theme music by Danny Elfman. And, of course, I'm talking about the 25th anniversary of Batman, the animated series. Of course, it was brought together by Bruce Tim, Eric Radomski, and Paul Dini was brought in as the main story editor. And like I said, it's been one of the best shows that impacted my life because, of course, with Batman, I grew up watching that show because with Batman, you know, I started with, you know, Adam West watching the old reruns that used to be on TV. You know, you had Adam West, Burt Ward, Cesar Romero, Burgess Meredith, Julie Namor, I mean, many more. And, of course, it was the campy type Batman. And, of course, you know, seeing the movies with Michael Keaton, the two movies that were directed by Tim Burton, of course, Batman 1989, of course, 92 that same year was Batman Returns. And of course, being the success of Batman Returns, Fox decided, you know what? They went to Warner Brothers Animation, hey, we want a Batman cartoon. And of course, you know, Warner Brothers tried to look for guys, and of course, the three individuals were actually working in Warner Brothers Animation. So they were working in the same lot. So basically, they got together and pretty much put a pitch together, and which became, if you guys see the opening for Batman the Animated Series, that was actually based on the pitch that. Rodowski and Bruce Tim ended up showing to the heads at that time of Warner Brothers Animation. Of course, they got the green lit during the show. And of course, to like I said, today's topic is basically the 25th anniversary of Batman the Animated Series, which premiered on September 5th, 1992. And of course, it started with The Cat and the Claw, even though production-wise, according to the list that we got here pulled up, the actual first episode was supposed to be on Letter Wings, but of course... Being the success of the 1991 or 2 film of Batman Returns, they wanted to show Batman and Catwoman. So that's why it ended up being you know, the Cat and the Claw Part 1. And first it says, hey, let's do it in primetime. So because they didn't have many shows in primetime at the time, you know, we had The Simpsons being the only animated show in primetime, so they said, hey, let's show Batman. And the rest is history. This show has been, been a credible legacy. I mean, people still watch it to this day. Like I said, in preparation for this episode... Me and my bro went back and watched the episodes of Batman the Animated Series. And of course, it's easy to access it on Amazon Prime. So, if you have Amazon Video, you can catch all the episodes yeah, on there. Yeah, definitely guys, check it out. Um, they did a pretty good job with loading Amazon with a couple of these new shows. So, uh, a lot of the animated shows from the 90s that we, that obviously like our age demographic is growing up now. We, you know, we always get that nostalgic factor that we want to return to and... And since it's the anniversary time, why not? And especially with such a such a important show as Batman, just the way it was written, the way it, it, it threw different characters at us, and of course it, it did its job as all other 
as more most cartoons do, would try to sell kids' toys and bring out Batman's new weapons and whatnot. But it also did a very good job in telling stories and providing and providing different perspectives from from the enemy to Batman and to Bruce Wayne. It showed different sides from everyone, and I think the show does a good job throughout throughout the season that they had to where. Uh, you, sure, they were, they were using certain characters that, they were reusing certain enemies and certain antagonists, but they were throwing different storylines to keep you, keep you engaged, and they always had Batman going through different obstacles and objections, objectives to, you know, take down the bad guys, and there were episodes to where Batman, you know, sometimes he loses the fight, like, he'll lose the battle sometimes, but he doesn't lose the war, and I think this show does a good job at showing that, that, you know, the hero sometimes doesn't win. And it, it's just, it's a, it's a good theme. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it was one of the shows I grew up on. And, you know, and of course, you know, like I said, with Batman, you know, being dark and all and brooding. Because, people, like I said, people back then, they were more familiarized with the campy Batman. Same thing with the comics. And, of course, you had comics that says Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns. So, like, Bruce Timm and Eric Rodonson tried to bring, and Paul Dini tried to bring that kind of like that dark-esque type of, um... Of Frank Miller, of course, Neil Adams, like many Ray writers from the Batman comics, tried to bring that universe, and also introduced to other villains that pretty much were not introduced in the in the old '60s Batman show. I mean, like the Clock King and some like obscure villains that you never seen before. Yeah. Because yeah, you're familiar <laughs> with the Joker, you know, Two Face, um, Mister Freeze, the Penguin, the Penguin, the name ones, but ones that you never seen before, like Hard Act, like a computer, like Batman fighting a computer was like one that of those Hard Act, yeah. the AI. So yeah, Batman fighting that, and some you know <laughs> other guy like the Interrogator. <laughs> Way out there episodes. Yeah. That's what I like. You know, it kept it, it kept it fresh, even because it's like Batman is such a versatile character. Because people, it's like people bought into the fact that he's not a superhero, and that's I think what helps people relate the most. That it's just a guy who's. A very extremely wealthy dude, but he has some sort of uh, an ethical, you know, an eth- ethical integrity with just, you know, finding justice in Gotham. And who couldn't, re- who wouldn't relate to that? He's an every man's man, even though he's extremely rich, but he wants to do what's right for, to him and to protect his city. Um, it's just, it's just amazing. I don't know. It's, it's I, <laughs> I think it's uh, one of the. One of the best animated series, uh, as far as comic comic material wise, I think it's one of the best, and it still continues. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree with that one. Um, I mean, if you guys have not, if you guys grew up like us, we grew up in the nineties. You know, I, I was born in eighty five. My bro was born in ninety one. So, yeah, this show came out a year after he was born. So he, he like my brother Andy, probably didn't get to see it when he first came out too much because he was still a little toddler. But I remember, you know, coming home from school every day and. Going to Fox at that time, they had like a lot of, you know, animated shows. And of course, you know, I look forward to watching, you know, animation in the afternoon. So this is like you've done your homework, you sit down, turn the TV. Saturday night morning cartoons. And then you see Batman, you know, Batman was an everyday thing. So it's like you see Batman there, and it was like that was the one thing I was excited for, you know, was seeing Batman, you know. Like it, it, it captivated me, they, it captured me like right away. And like I said, the music is great, you know, yeah, Shirley Jesus. Walker, she, like great you know composer for like the soundtrack and then you know alan burnett one of the producers um you know tom ruger andrea romano you know great voice director it comes like what's cool about this show was like the act of voice talent for this show was phenomenal like they had so many actors that worked in theater 
You know, some that never worked in animation before, and some who are veterans from movies, television. Come in, guys you never heard before. I mean, the list goes on. I mean, you, I mean we're going to start, you know, pretty much getting to the point, you know, going back to my script here. Um, basically, what we're going to do, we're going to give you guys the breakdown of what we're going to talk about today in this episode. We're going to talk about a little bit of the history of the show, and that's like, you know, who started it. And then we'll talk about the voice actors, the cast. Um, we're going to talk about our favorite characters of the show, and then pretty much... Um, Go detail for detail what our favorite episodes were from the series itself. We'll go in detail, breaking down each episode, give you our opinions of each episode. So, um, and pretty much, it's, like I said, this whole podcast is dedicated to Batman. So this is something, you know, I mentioned it on, on the Facebook page, which is the Franchise Network. And I put, yeah, we're going to talk about Batman. So pretty much, I'm um, going back to the history of the show. I got the information here. Um, it actually started, you know, with, you know, with success um, from Tim Burton's films. From Batman, of course, Batman Returns, and of course, the old school Superman. It was inspired by the old school Superman Fleischer studio cartoons from the 40s. Um, pretty much, Bruce Tim and uh, Aaron Donsky, they kind of liked the Burton films because they were like dark, mysterious, and you know, and of course, you know, they decided to start with, you know, making it dark and decided to start with a style called Art Deco, which is like pretty much like a dark, you know, noir style layout, which is like using dark colors and bring it out, and also like. The time period, you know, it looked good. Like, if you look at the animation on Batman, like, it looks really well done with the painting and all that. Because, like I said, it was still hand-drawn animation and hand-painted animation. But, Eridomsky uh, and Bruce Tim giving the character designs and the backgrounds were phenomenal. Especially the title cards for each episode. Yeah. Which actually cool. It's like straight out of a comic book. Give you that classic detective feel. And, of course, you know, all these guys were all working under, uh... They were working for Warner Bros. They were working under shows like Tiny Toon Adventures, Animaniacs... My name actually wasn't out at that time, so they're working on Tiny Toons, and of course, um, Fox wanted a cartoon, they wanted a Batman cartoon, and, you know, Bruce Tim and Rodonsky, they did a pitch, and pretty much, uh, they wanted to do a Batman, and they sent out the designs for a Batman, and pretty much sent that, like a 10, 12 minute pitch, which eventually became the, if you've seen the opening of Batman anime series, that's basically based on the pitch that Rodonsky and Bruce Tim actually pitched to Warner Brothers, and... Pretty much, Batman got picked. And then, of course, they brought in Danny Elfman, who's pretty much a composer for many of Tim Burton's films, to do the actual opening theme, which, of course, you guys listen to it on Spotify or that anywhere. Theme, yeah, gosh, that theme is one of the one of the best ever. I mean, just the, the, the cut of that. I mean, it goes... I think I put it on the same level as the Game of Thrones theme, just on how important and culturally significant it's become. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's crazy. I mean, that theme, you know, you probably play it anywhere, and people will be like... It's Batman! Oh my god, it's Batman! It's Batman! You know, you play that song, it's like, oh, here's like, and then pretty much, boom, it's like, it's Batman. So, it's very phenomenal, and like I said, and like I said, um, the animation, the writing was great. I mean, they had great, talented writers, you know, Paul Dini being the main story editor, and then Al Burnett being the producer, you know, Bruce Tim being, and Radomsky taking over, like, layouts, and Bruce Tim coming with character designs and animation directing. You know, and of course you got Jean McCurdy and Tom Rigger. Of course, Jean McCurdy at the time, she was one of the heads of Warner Brothers Animation. So they were the ones that actually were able to give the go-ahead and bring Batman to television. Of course, it was on Fox, of course. Um, and like I said, the rest is history. I mean, they done, according to this, they did about uh, about 85 episodes. And of course, um, if you guys remember, there's a series called A New Batman Adventure. So we'll get into that later on, but we're focusing right now. I'm Batman the anime series in general because, like I said, it started on Fox. It was from 
September 5th, 1992 to September 15th, 1995. So, yeah. So, it was like three years. So, like I said, it was like syndicated. So, they did a lot of episodes. So, that way they can run reruns and pretty much play it every day. But moment times, it was either on Prime Tower or on the weekend. It kept, like, the schedule kept changing. Yeah. Usually, it was like weekday afternoons and they did a Saturday morning. Sometimes, they did certain episodes on Prime Time. So, it was like a kind of a mixed bonus. A lot of the episodes got pretty much in production-wise. They pretty much got out of order. So, that's why... Like, for us, like, we were able to go on Amazon, they actually put the episodes in actual production order, like, actual yeah. volumes, but in actual production order, like, uh, you know, based on episode. And the only thing I like to, like, pretty much, um, getting to the voice cast in general, I mean, you got Bruce, you got Kevin Conroy, a guy who's been pretty much in theater and does some soap operas, him coming in as Bruce Wayne and Batman, it's great. I mean, he's the one that pretty much, um, when he did his tryout, he did two different voices he did like the light-hearted bruce wayne and the dark yeah. broodingness of seriousness of batman and honestly he's phenomenal i mean he's to me honestly when it comes to like my bat my top favorite batmans yeah. adam west is number one Kevin conroy's number two and christian and michael keaton's number three christian bale's number four and ben affleck would be number five but like i said i always hold Kevin conroy to the highest regard in men of west because you know Kevin Conroy having the lighthearted Bruce Wayne and the dark brooding of Batman. So it's like, it was the one that actually came up with that style. And that's why you see, if you see a lot of the, you know, the, the new DC animated shows or the animated films, they kind of, like the people who are voicing Batman, even though Conroy's been doing it for a long time, but for the other films, they try to copy his style by having like a, you know, when he's Bruce Wayne, it's lighthearted, but when he's Batman, he's dark and brooding. I mean, Christian Bale tried, you know, he gave us that... Where am yeah, I? Like that, that, that raspy kind of metallic thing. I mean, if he was able to try to do like Cameron Conway, he probably would have sounded a little bit better. Um, then you had um, Lauren Lester as Dick Grayson Robin. So yeah, we got to see Robin. Of course, um, remember Robin in the, you know, in the Batman um, old show with um, Adam West. He was like, "Holy G Force, Batman!" But here he's like, he's in college. He's, he's older. A wise kid. Like, he's just a, a, he's a older, so Batman kid, yeah. doesn't like see him as, you know, even though Batman tries to coach him a lot of times, but like, pretty much he's like almost like Batman's equal. Yeah, he, he, he gives him space to kind of still learn and grow and, you know, grow as a, <laughs> a what is it, a protector of the night. But, yeah, you, you get a good sense of, you get a, a, a good versatility with Robin because he, he'll crack jokes with him still, but then it's kind of like, with a sly demeanor of a, a teenager who's sarcastic, you know? We all go through that phase, and I, I feel like it captured Robin better that way because it shows that Batman's, he's trying not to be that father figure, but he wants to be that role model for him as well because that he never got that from after, of course, the his parents were killed. So he wanted to kind of provide that guidance to Robin. And uh, and we see that, you know? We see as, they, as episodes go on, that they, they show and give them a good dynamic relationship when they're fighting the bad guys and how they work together very well, how they strategize. And not that we don't see that back in, in the Adam Westford or Batman, because, of course, that's how they do. It's what They're a great duo, the dynamic duo. But here, you know, with, it, it works very well with an animated series tone, and it's not so overly uh, cheesy like the 40s and early 50s Batman. Or 60s Batman, I'm sorry. But... Definitely an improvement on uh, Robin's character overall. Yeah, and then, then we go to Alfred Pennyworth, who's voiced by Ephraim Zibl- uh, who was actually voiced <laughs> by two voice actors. And of course, the first three episodes, he was voiced by Clive Ravel, but of course, he got replaced by, you know, 
Efren Zibilis Jr., he took over for Alfred. And honestly, Alfred was actually hilarious. Yeah. He has a lot of quick jokes. He's a comedic relief. Yeah, he's not a comedic relief, but, I mean, he <laughs> had, like, you know, he helps Batman when in terms of, like, you know, giving, like, ideas. Like, he when Batman's stuck in the problem, like, he's always to give him advice. But at the same time, kind of like he has, like, a little bit of sarcastic sarcasm to it. But, yeah, it's a little, like, some of his one-liners are hilarious. And the actor who portrayed him did a great job of being Alfred because Alfred's not just a mother. He's kind of like Bruce Wayne's kind of like father figure and someone that, um, you know, Bruce can turn to when he's in a crisis. And, yeah. and at the same time, he also looks out for, for um, Dick also in case if Dick, you know, has any problems, you know, Alfred's there. So, like I said, he's like the father figure for Bruce since, you know, Bruce lost his parents. So, like, Alfred had to take over being, like, the father figure for Bruce Wayne. And, of course, when... You know, Bruce took in Dick Grayson. He came, he came also another like a second father, like a second father to, to Dick. So it's like you know, it was great. You know, Alfred and he, like I say, he had his white um, one-liners and very much um, is a phenomenal piece of the show. Like his portrayal is really great. You know, it's like the same thing they did in the films too. But I mean, this was a good portrayal, of Alfred. Yeah, he was still the reserved butler, uh, wise, wise beyond his years. Yet he was always ready to to serve the cause for Batman and just being his father and, and trying to pass down the wisdom to Robin and even to Batgirl. It was just he's Alfred's definitely one of the one of those supporting characters, uh that without saying so many words, he says so much with his with how he helps and all the actions he does to help Batman in, in different causes, even when he's using the computer or getting the cars ready. And it's like, his one-liners are hilarious. It's like, it reminds me if I'm watching uh, another nine show, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air with Jeffrey, the butler. It's the same thing, like, he, he does all these small, quick one-liners, but he's like, he's got a heart of gold, and he's always looking out for the, the family's best interests and stuff, and that's what you get with Batman as well, with Alfred, and, and man, just... Alfred, for sure. And brings us to um, Commissioner James Jim Gordon. Um, he's actually he's voiced by uh, Bob Hastings, who's actually a veteran voice actor and, you know, television actor. And, you know, Jim being also kind of like, he's like Batman's, like, close friend, you know. There's times, you know, Jim's like, you know, he gets annoyed when Batman disappears, when, you know, Jim's trying to finish a sentence. Um, but like I said, he's like one of um, Batman's, you know, ears out there, besides, you know, Batman using the, the the gear like the technological stuff like the computer and stuff he's like batman's true source of information you know and batman's stuck on something he can always look at jim gordon being a confidant and like i said it's kind of funny and hilarious you know every time you know jim calls batman or jim, like gordon's like you know investigating like a big case batman just pops out of nowhere and sometimes jim like even he surprises himself like he's like oh i didn't see you there or oh there you are um and then every time he tries to finish sentence and batman just like takes off and like and then he's like, oh, I hate when he does that, you know, it's like, it's hilarious, but like Jim Gordon, you know, you know, being, like I said, he's like, like another one of Bruce Wayne's confidants besides Alfred, it's like another person that, you know, Batman can turn to. And, um, and also, of course, you got Harvey Bullock, who's voiced by Robert Consanzo, you probably recognize him as like, from other shows, as the voice of Philip TV's from, uh. The Hercules TV show and the animation show from Disney. He's done a lot of live voice work, some live action work. Um, he did some of like Kingdom Hearts also. He did the voice of Phil for Kingdom Hearts, for the Kingdom Hearts series. And, you know, Harvey Bullock, you know, even though he doesn't like Batman, I kind of like him because he's hilarious too. You know, you know, Jim Gordon loves Batman, but, you know, 
Howard Bullock sees Batman as being like annoying, you know, a vigilante who doesn't want to follow the rules of the law, and every time they go, they crack heads when it comes to like tracking down criminals. Eventually, later on, you know, Harvey actually asks Batman for help, and of course, you know, it kind of like he has to swallow his pride and say, "Hey, I'm in this problem. Can you help me out?" So yeah, like Harvey Bullock is different. I mean, even the portrayal of Harvey Bullock is like right now in that show Gotham. When Don and Donald Logue, you know, he's he's done a good job with bringing yeah. the, the character to live action. He's done a good job. And you know, like I said, Harvey Book always been, you know, he's always been in odds about Batman. He always argues with Jim about Batman, you know, what Batman's doing and, like, his actions. And he's also not one of the things, to me, he's more like almost like a comic, comic relief. Mm-hmm. And then you have um, Barbara Gordon, who doesn't get introduced till later on in the show. She comes out, who eventually later on becomes Batgirl. Of course, she's voiced by Melissa Gilbert, who, you know, remember, she came from Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> but, you know, she did a good job with that character. Uh, and, of course, later on in the new Batman adventure, she's get, she gets, um, Tara Strong takes over the role for, for um, Batgirl. And, of course, now with Batgirl in the current iteration, um, they recognize Tara Strong. But Melissa Gilbert did a good job when she voiced Batgirl. She brought that character alive. And, and I think they felt they gave a better um, origin story for Batgirl in the series. Yeah. Because it was like, if you remember the 60s on um, Batman, you know, they brought Batgirl later on because they wanted to reach out to a female demographic. Because it was just Batman and Robin, so they decided to bring Batgirl just to, to attract more female viewers. Mm-hmm. So they, she, like, yeah, she's the commissioner's daughter, so they, that was the whole thing. It was like in the comics, too, but, you know, trying to bring that character from the comics to TV was, you know, uh, like a trial run. And she was there for a few episodes, like, later on. But here, they actually did a good job, you know, like, slowly integrating her in. Into the main storyline, yeah. How she can help in certain, uh, certain antagonists and, um, just when they would all team up in the trio. It, there are some good episodes to see with her. Uh, she's definitely a very, definitely a very important character for women. And, and especially from the 60s and to see how far they've come along now. And then to see in this show how well they did integrate her into it. For considering how many episodes they were already in, um, before they were deciding to put such an important character to the series. Mm-hmm. And then you had, um, pretty much, um, you had Montoya, Renee Montoya, an original character that was made just for the series, because they wanted to have a female cop, who actually likes what Batman's doing, um, she wasn't like a, she wasn't in the comics, and she wasn't added until later on in the DC comic universe, so she was like an original character that was made for the show, and eventually later on made her point, made her role in the series. I think she, I'm not sure she came out, I think she did come out in Gotham, so she, there was a live action portrayal, but yeah, she was like on Jim's side when it comes to Batman, so she respects her, but I think that's why I said she was brought in, just to have like a female officer, and there's, like I said, to attract the female demographic because of the viewers. Then you had, um... Lucius Fox, who was voiced by Brock Peters. Um, of course, you had Lucius, who's like who works in um, Bruce Wayne's company. And of course, we've seen him portray. He's always like comes on a wonderful few. Morgan Freeman. Oh yeah, the legend. Even though the actor who portrayed Lucius Fox in the anime series, you know, every time I see, I hear Lucius Fox. Even the voice, even the yeah. actor who's playing him now in the Gotham series, he's really good. And but of course, you got Morgan Freeman bringing that. He was the first live action generation for Lucius Fox, but he's another one of Bruce Wayne's, you know, confidant like friends. When it comes to, like, you know, he's been with, he knew his dad, he's been in his company for so many years, so he helps Bruce run some of the company while Bruce is out doing, you know, Batman stuff. Yeah. And then you had, um, Summer Gleason, who's voiced by Mary Devin, of course. I'm not sure if she's an original character, I believe she is in the comics, so, uh, you know, she comes out here and there, um, and then you have Leslie Tompkins, who's, like, 
He's voiced by the animal there. Um, pretty much, it's she was there for Bruce. Um, she was uh, friends with um, Bruce's dad. They went to the same college because um, Bruce's dad was a doctor, so they went to the same medical school. And of course, she was there for him when you know his parents were murdered. So, and she's uh, besides Alfred and Dick, um, she's the only other one that had no those that Bruce Wayne is Batman. You know, and every time Batman's in trouble, she always, he always looks to um, Leslie to help him out. Then you had um, Mayor Hill, who's voiced by Lloyd Bocher. You know, he only comes on a few episodes. He's kind of like a former attorney who, you know, he wasn't as fond as Batman, but now nah, ever since that one episode with his son, you know, he embraces Batman. And, of course, he had a little run-in with the Clock King so later on, too. And then you got um, Adam West actually makes an appearance. And I'm going to talk about the Adam West episode. He came he came out for one episode. I'll get into that detail because that's actually the episode that he comes in. It's one of my favorites, so... We'll go into that later. Now let's talk about the villains. Mm-hmm. I mean, the cast of villains in this show. I'm going to run down the list. Um, I'm going to start with the, you know, the, the other ones, like the minor ones that came out. I mean, I'll bring up the list. You had um, Colin Werner Vertigo. Um, you had Achilles Milo. Lockup. Rupert Thorne. Maximilian Zeus. You got Talia al Ghul. Temple Fugit, who's the Clock King. Mm-hmm. The Sewer King, Boss Vegas, Red Claw, Emil Doran, Baby Doll, the Ninja, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Kyogai, the Ninja, Lloyd Vetrix, Hugo, Dr. Hugo Strange, um, Hardak, the Computer, and then Roland Daggett. And then those were like the minor villains that, usually villains that people weren't recognized right away, you know, and then you got the ones, known villains, like the main known villains, like the Ventriloquist, you know, Scarface. Um, you had um, Man Bat, Dr. Robert Kirkland Langstrom, the Man Bat, Victor Freeze, Mr. Freeze, Rachel Ghoul, Bane actually made an appearance in the comment in the show, Clayface, Killer Croc, Matt Hatter, mm-hmm. the Scarecrow, Poison Ivy, the Riddler, Catwoman, Penguin, Harley Quinn, Two Face, and of course the Joker. And then, man, that that's like basically your main villains, and pretty much um, all my favorites. I mean. I would say my favorite villains that Batman took on, I would have to say Mr. Freeze. Um, also with Joker and Harley Quinn. And of course, um, his fights in his clowns with Catwoman was a good one too. Um, I don't know if you had any favorites, Andy? Um, my favorites, I think my favorite bouts he would have with are definitely the Joker. Anything, he would go with the Joker because those episodes always had, um, you know, always had different types of themes that I, I would feel you would have to try to pick up on, um, which is great. Uh, his fights with, yeah, Mr. Freeze. Uh, my favorites, I think, that go above the Joker is when he, his bouts with the Riddler because they're both testing their wits and you get to see kind of like how Edward Nigma's intelligence plays but how it also can backfire on him because he wants to be smarter than everyone else. Uh, but I think, like, their dynamics against each other was great because it was kind of like their bouts would be some sort of a sport. Not necessarily, like, justice. It, it was just, like, of a sport thing for Enigma and for Batman. It was just, a, just strange. Um, and then Bouts, uh, I want to say his stuff with Two-Face was great, too, just because you see a high, Harvey Dent's uh, rapid fall into psychosis and just going crazy after he gets, you know, uh, taken over uh, by Two-Face, his other half, the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Uh, Mr. Hyde dynamic but there i think those were definitely his bouts with the riddler is my favorite by all um i want to say there might be i think there's one more in my head i can't really 
think of it was from the newer ones yeah the, uh, the freaking was the Avatar. I think it's like the weird Egyptian one. It's like the first episode from the, the third volume. I think it was weird. I got I I was dozing off because I I was I just got finished watching one of one of the episodes on my that I, on my favorites list. Uh, it was kind of late at night, and so like you know what happens when you're falling asleep, but you you pa- you maybe pass off for twenty minutes and then you rapidly wake up and it's gonna be difficult for you to wake to go back to sleep. Well, if it doesn't happen to you, it happens to me. And so I happened to wake up at around the time when it was the uh, the first episode of the newer vol the third volume, and it was when they started introducing you know more different kind of characters as opposed to you know the original the original antagonist lineup. And so I think it was the Egyptian, uh, the Avatar Egyptian guy, which was just like I could not like they tried the episode was very weird, and I was giving like being very objective minded even. It, for it being two in the morning, but it was just strange. I couldn't. I was like, I just don't see Batman fighting anything that's in Egypt. It just doesn't make sense to me. Like he doesn't. He's not Spider Man. He's not. He doesn't, he's not going to swing everywhere. It's just a very strange episode. But at the same time, I was like, okay, at least the the, the animators had the balls to the writers and the and the producers had some balls to be like, all right, let's have Batman fight this weird thing or like the time clock, guy, like the Clock King, like. The most, I mean. And the, <laughs> And comic characters are always guilty of this, you know. This happens in Marvel, DC. This happens everywhere, even in Image, Dark Horse, uh, Vertigo comics. Like everything, you know, they gotta they gotta try different ideas and to give different types of stories. And sometimes it just gets ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> and some of these is because they wanted to sell toys as well. Like there was growing up, there were so many toys on Batman just on this series alone. Oh yeah, so that. many toys. Everywhere you you everywhere you would if it wasn't from McDonald's pitching it when they were started making the damn movies, uh, Warner Brothers, the yeah. Warner Brothers movies, like you just once the animated series ended, we got the the Warner Brothers movies a little bit after, shortly after. And remember, we actually had the toys. I actually yeah. bought the toys growing up. I actually had some of the figures from the Batman series, but well, I don't have them now because most of them. Yeah, of course, my mom sold them through garages. Yeah, you know, I had the Batmobile. Yeah. I had, you know... The motorcycle. I, I had the Batman motorcycle. the motorcycle. Yeah. Oh, my brother had the motorcycle. Yeah. And he had that one. Um, like, But I'll say villain-wise, you know, I mean, of all the villains, I mean, they're really talented actors yeah. who are about the like, villains that you never knew, like David Warner, Henry Silver, Ron Perlman did the voice of Clayface. Um, Roddy McDowell doing Clayface, Jarvis Page. Clayface, okay, Clayface is definitely a good one too. And then, um, you know, Roddy mm-hmm. McDowell coming in doing the Mad Hatter. Yeah, um, yeah. John Glover doing the Riddler. Adrian Barbro as the Catwoman. Paul Williams as the Penguin. And of course, Arlene Sorkin, who was like Paul Dini's like first pick as Harley Quinn when Bruce Tim like created the character. He, I guess, started Sorkin worked with um, Paul Dini before. They're old friends, and he brought her on. You know, she did a good job with that character. And of course, you know, Harley Quinn later on. Became part of the DC comic universe, and she's a popular character in her own right now. She's like an anti-hero right now. She's like she, she's like the face of of the anti-hero, basically like you know the Deadpool of the Marvel of the DC universe. You think about it, she's kind of like Deadpool. Uh, and then of course the Joker being voiced by none other than Luke Skywalker himself, Mark Hamill, a guy that you never uh, thought so powerful. Oh my yeah. god! Just he, I he is the Joker. Anything animated, he is the Joker, no matter what. Um, just captures it. Everything. It just anytime I hear the Joker, the only voice I get in my head is Mark Hamill's. I I, I can't like even when you're playing the video games and stuff. 
and t- for th- when they brought him back for the Asylum series and stuff, that was amazing. Like it was, it was perfect. The, the fact that they they dedicated themselves to bring him back to go- for a video game series that they're barely opening up, but you know that's dedication to the source material. And I mean, Mark Hamill is just a phenomenal actor in his own right, and just voice like his voice and the way he. He portrays different characters, different types of characters, from antagonists to protagonists, from simple-minded characters to very complex, very intelligent characters. He does it all, and he he leaves that certain type of voice that you can't get out of your head to if you listen to anywhere else. It's like, that's that's the character. It's like the same... That's kind of like how people were freaking out about Spider-Man, and I'm not going to jump off topic, but it's kind of like that how I would feel it's like he would freak out right we can't get rid of Tony McGuire he's he's our Spider-Man it's like no no he's, it's like different but with the Joker it's like damn Mark Hamill's got that voice and it's like I'm not trying to slam Heath Ledger either but we're talking the animated we're series we're talking about animation and yeah. this is freaking That's, this is Mark Hamill's territory now <laughs> yeah it's it like you know it's great you know every time I see like Paul Dini does the great writing you know Mark Hamill every time he, he gets interviewed for the like and he asked him about the Joker. He said he always credits Paul Dini for giving him the lines. He said that's one of the characters, you know, because yeah, Mark Hamill, you know, after Star Wars, it was kind of hard for him to get cast in yeah, anything. He was tight cast. He was tight cast. And of course, uh, fun fact, you know, Mark Hamill wasn't the first pick as the Joker. It was actually Tim Curry oh. who 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 originally <laughs> was picked <laughs> as the Joker. Like Tim like, Curry, Tim Curry yeah, like we're not going to discredit Tim Curry. You know, he's no, a great man, actor. Yeah. He's a great voice actor and actor. You know, Rocky Horror Picture Show. It you know a lot of roles. He's done voice work. You know, Nigel Thornberry. For a lot but of I mean, <laughs> the Joker with an English accent. Um, no, but yeah, if they imagine that Tim Curry was the Joker, I could take it too because Tim Curry's oh god, he's hilarious and he's a good character. He's a good actor. But yeah, the, Mark Hamill were like they they went they made a decision that went the distance, and to see Mark Hamill capture that and to really really credit Paul Dini for that and for his lines and really committing himself to that. I mean, when you're on board with that, it's like it's poetry motion, really. It's just it's it's nice. It's it's just it's art, man. It's beautiful and Mark Hamill's the Joker. And it's like Luke Skywalker playing this insane immor- immoral clown, like trying to terrorize uh Gotham and he has nothing no plans on stopping and it's all because of fun. It's no other no other motivation, and it's like, it's the perfect yin and yang. And Mark Hamill's like, the, the Joker is literally the yin to, the yin to freaking Batman's yang. And it's like, you can't have either one. It's like, you can't have the animated series without Mark Hamill. It's just not, it's impossible to look back and see it that way. Um, but yeah, if, it, you know, if we were to go back in time and they're in that room trying to decide Tim Curry or Mark Hamill, man, that'd be crazy to think that Tim Curry would do it, but, like, I could see both, yeah, really you know? Mark, yeah. You never know. That's, that's just how we have to go with the times, right? Even, like, listening to when Mark Hamill was on Kevin Smith's podcast, Batman Batman, even he was surprised who he took over for because he, he auditioned <laughs> for a role, yeah. and then when he found out who he was replacing, he was shocked himself because he respects a lot of Tim Curry, but... And it's funny thing is, what's cool about the show is, when they record the voice actors for the show, you know, they don't do, like, in some cases, in traditional, they record separately... They actually record together in the same room. So they're all there sitting each other. But for when Mark Hamill's former Joker, he says he prefers standing because, like, a lot of the animators, when they do the storyboards, they get they actually, you know, the, the animators, when they see, like, you know, 
when they see the recording sessions, they get a lot of the Joker's movements from Mark Hamill because Mark Hamill brings that, that character to life. Like, he'll stand. Most of the time, he's the only one standing. Everybody else is sitting down reading the lines. He's up there doing, like, you know, moving his hands around, giving you that expression of the Joker. And uh, it's great, you know. And, you know, dropping to the next topic, you know, this brings us to um, pretty much our favorite episode. So, me, my bro, Randy, you know, I have ten favorites. Um, I don't know how long my brother's list I is. Have, damn, I have five. I didn't have... I didn't do the because there's a lot of episodes and I felt only five for me stuff more. Um, he has ten, but like like he had mentioned before, the show I was very much a baby or a, a, a toddler when this show came out, and I didn't get to see it until the the back half of the '90s to where all these superhero shows started coming. Like we're talking X Men uh, started getting more prominent, Spider Man. So like we started seeing a lot more characters, but Batman like we. Me and my brother, we were always drawn to because we would go see the, mo- the the feature films when they would come out, like the animated feature films. Uh, what, the the Mask of the Phantasm? Oh, yeah, uh, was the, the Mr. Freeze one, I think. Uh, what, I think I was directed to do that one. Was yeah, and then the, which was the other one? The, yeah, but the Mask of... God. Mask Pant- of, oh, God. God, that's such a good movie. But I only have five episodes because, like, these would be good. And, but like my brother can have ten. That's it's gonna be good. So what I'm gonna do is we're gonna go over. through my ten to five, <laughs> just to, and then we'll just jump right back to Andy. Um, I mean, he can still give a pain. He'll still talk about the episodes with me. So it's not like oh, I'm, I'm showing him out or anything. He said, like I said, I, I had more time to see him. Like I said, you know, this is all coming off on my memories. But of course, I you know we got our lap, we got our tablets out, you know, just in case we miss anything. Um, like I said, you know, watching these the first hand when he first came out in the air, you know, they were phenomenal. So I'm gonna start with my number ten, which was. From the new Batman Adventures, it was called uh, Over the Edge, which to me was a gripping, dramatic episode because it dealt with the Scarecrow, another obscure Batman villain. Of course, if you remember the Scarecrow, if you're not too familiar with him, pretty much he has the ability, he uses poisons and chemicals to bring out the fears of people, like the hallucinations. And this episode was really deep. It was written by Paul Dini. It came out on May 23rd, 98. And it, it started off, you know, Batgirl and Batman are, you know, chasing the, the Scarecrow. And eventually, um, Batgirl, she gets ambushed on the rooftop. And, of course, she ends up falling over. And, you know, you see um, Jim Gordon and Harvey Book, they're driving. And, you know, they're trying to pursue, they're helping, they're trying to cover ground below. And he, all of a sudden, boom, he hit, Batgirl hits the car. And it's oh. like, oh, my God, like, you hear that? Oh, I remember that episode. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah, so you sit down, and all of a sudden, Jim Gordon sees what happens, and he finds out that he doesn't knew he didn't never knew his daughter was Batgirl. Batman knew mm-hmm. that his daughter was Batgirl, and Barbara knew that you know Dick and you know she knew Dick and um, Bruce later on. They're Batman and Robin. They all work together. So yeah, so she all of a sudden um, Jim Gordon, you know, he, he opens her match, you know, and she thinks she's dead, and pretty much um, Jim Gordon pretty much blames Batman, and pretty much. Goes on a vigilante manhunt. He gets the entire police force to to go after him, even to the point of getting Bane, yeah. recruiting Bane to go after Batman, which is freaking crazy. You know, you go into a villain and pretty much make a deal with him to go in after Bane and pretty much send Bane right after Batman, which was really great. Um, it was a great episode. Paul great did a great job in the animation, even though this was the new Batman Adventures. It had the different color scheme because they had to match with Superman the animated series. It was still a riveting episode, and of course, spoiler alert, later on it ends up being Barbara had a dream. It was uh, Barbara's dream, like she had a dream, like she had a nightmare, it was like a nightmare for her. Because I guess she got attacked by uh, the poison gas from the one of Scarecrow, so it brought her worst fear that Batman was going to, that was her fear of hers, of Batman getting hurt. Mm-hmm. It kind of showed that Batgirl has some kind of feelings for Bruce, so that was like her fear, but it was still a great episode. 
And it brings us to number nine, which was from, you know, the current of Batman the Animated Series. I think it's like volume three, according to like what they had um in the which I call it on Amazon, um volume three. It's called The Trial. So basically, um Gotham's got a new DA, her name's like Jenna Van Dorm, and pretty much she doesn't like Batman's style when it comes to bringing criminals to law because then they can't prosecute him and stuff, so they usually get sent to Arkham instead of going to actual prison. Yeah. And of course, uh, which is cool because they bring all like Batman's rogues gallery, you bring Two-Face, the Joker, Ventriloquist, Poison Ivy, Harley Quinn, the Matt Herrick, Croc, Scarecrow, Riddler, they like the jury, so they actually kidnap the DA and Batman, pretty much put Batman to trial, so you had, uh, the DA actually being Batman's defense attorney, and um, you had uh, Two-Face being the prosecutor, the Joker as the judge, um, he had the uh, Ventrugris as the bailiff, then Harley. <laughs> it was hilarious seeing the back and forth between them, like, the, you know, when um, Van Dorn was, like, um, questioning Harley, and then she tries to get, a, tries to cross the rift between Joker and Harley. <laughs> oh, that was a great episode. That's a really good episode. I don't know if you've seen that one or you get a chance Yeah, to. I haven't seen it in a long, but it's like, it was good how they flipped the put the kind of the justice scale on Batman and how he gets he's held to trial by you know the people we turned into to Arkham and it's it's like the it's got to be his, one of his worst nightmares because he's like all of his worst enemies that he just put in this crazy place all in one now they get you trapped with next to the DA who wants you in jail and she's trying to figure out it's like the worst person could have you defending your case and that you can't defend yourself. And then you got all your enemies, God, set up in a, like a Judge Judy kind of situation. It's, man, it's a funny, I remember this episode. It's, it's random as hell, but it's, yeah. it's really And the episode, good. again, was like another Paul Dini, Bruce Tim actually collaboration on that one. That's actually really good. Um, the other one is, uh, my number eight is Harley and Ivy. I mean, I mean, Poison Ivy's not a bad villain. She's great, and it's kind of cool having her and um, Harley team up. It was kind of crazy because you had the Joker. Pretty much the whole plot was Joker fires Harley. After a big mess up, uh, after getting chased by Batman, and of course, um, she ends up joining up with Poison Ivy, who she calls her Poison Oki, and pretty much going on a crime spree, become Gotham's King of Crimes, and of course, to the point that Joker gets jealous and tries to get Harley back. Another great episode with Mike Baldini. It was a great episode of animation. Awesome, you know, being Joker. Favorite Joker episode. Um, number seven, also, uh, my number seven is The Man Who Killed Batman, which to me, um, again, written by Paul Dini, um, it was great because it inspired, you know, it was like Mark Hamill's favorite episode as the Joker because to the point that uh, it actually um, did one of the best, like, eulogies ever. And it was great, you know. It was a great one because um, I'm trying to look I'm trying to look online, trying to find the, the text yeah, for it, but it's kind of hard because all I see is, like, the videos for it. But this is, like, this no-known, like, lackey name. Uh, Sydney, um, who ends up being called a squid, he ends up going to Rupert Thorne for help, and because supposedly he's the one, supposedly something happens, and some coincidental, Batman disappears, and he thinks, and all you fear, find is Batman's cape and cow, and you think, oh, he killed the Batman, he's the squid, you know, and then Joker, supposedly, at the point that Joker gets like, like, uh, crime doesn't work for me yeah, anymore, he, it's and he, not fun. He's not fun, I mean, it's not the same, well, hardly put him back, and pretty much gives that eulogy, he's like, I can remember some of the words because Mark Hamill did it so much. He's like, Nearly we are here to mourn the loss of the owner clown no longer cries. Because of that man killed the Batman. And then eventually, of course, Batman, you know, comes back and Sydney ends up going to prison. But of course, of his reputation, he has gained the respect. Yeah. 
So on inside like a great episode. And then number seven, number six was I Am the Night. And that one, I believe, I'm going to look on here who wrote that episode. Because I think that was later on. Just kind of trying to find it here. Until one of the earlier episodes. Just get bear with me, guys. Um, it's called I Am the Night. And basically what happens is uh, it cuts to like, it's like the anniversary of, you know, yeah, here it is. It's, it was written by Michael Reeves. Um, it, it came out in 92, uh, November 9th, 92, on weekday. But it was shown on primetime December 13th. So I guess it was like a rerun. Um, pretty much, uh, it was on anniversary of Bruce's uh, parents' death. And it uh, comes to Leslie to Crime Alley, where, of course, that's the spot where Bruce lost his parents when they were gunned down. And, of course, Gordon is like on the stakeout to arrest Jimmy the Jasmine Peak during a drug smuggling ring. And, you know, prom- Batman had promised to be there to watch um, Jim. But to the point that he gets there late and of course it's a gun bag line. Um, and Jim ends up getting in and Gordon ends up being hospitalized. And, you know, it gets to the point that, you know, Batman starts being, uh, he gets traumatized by the incident. And to the point he, he's like, to the point he's just sulking in the Batcave and he wants to give up, you know, being Batman. It kind of explored the whole mentality that, you know, something even Batman has, you know, Days where, yeah, he'll go out and do crime, fight crime, but at the same time, he's like, he's questioning, you know, if can it's it... really, if it's really making an impact, if it's only, if like, if he's really just hitting, beating a brick wall at this, like, you know, at this point, and that was so, so early within the series that they kind of, they threw, they threw an episode like that, which is good, because, you know, like, they can show Batman doing all this crime fighting, but then it's like, they also have him questioning his motivations once uh, Commissioner Gordon gets hurt, it, like, it shows, because obviously he wants to work He's not going to work against the law, but he wants to work side by side with it because obviously he's a vigilante in their eyes, but in his eyes he's doing justice, obviously. But since he's always had that that relationship with Commissioner Gordon, and to see him hurt, it's like that's gotta that's gotta hurt Batman so low because it's like he it's also a, a confidant that he has to the level of uh, I feel Alfred. It's just more like he since Batman didn't have the family. That he that he lost, he decided to put these on the people that he had confidence in, in trust, uh, the the circle he built around him, and so for him to see Gordon get in this condition, it's like it, it's you know it's like seeing your mom or your father or your sibling in a in a crazy condition or in a helpless situation. So, it, to capture that to capture that emotion in Bruce Wayne. In Batman, it's like he takes off the mask, and it's like you're still Bruce. And to see Bruce struggling with this and getting traumatized by such an event, it's like wow, it, that's such a great, such a great emotion to capture, um, and, and getting that dynamic for that the, for a superhero such as Batman. All right, now we're gonna jump to my brother oh. Andy. So we're gonna do like right. his top. So we're gonna all trade between so his he five. Ten and he went his first five. I'm gonna do my five. Um, because he, so my, my five episodes, they're a little spread out a bit, but, um, <laughs> I, I like the first two volumes. I was more, more so leaning towards the first two volumes as opposed to the newer. And then it's not like a, it's not like a, pre- it's just a preference thing. I'm not against the, the newer, the newer adventures band around and they're, they're great. It's just like, I, my favorite episodes tend to be in the earlier halves of the volumes. Um, so my number five, my first one is going to be, uh, episode 34 and it's called the laughing fish and that was uh <laughs> i thought the reason this is one of my first ones because it's such a peculiar episode and just like an out there idea but so the laughing fish and then all it is is that joker he creates this crazy toxin that it only affects fish 
right? So it converts the fish and it gives him the, the Joker smile. And so he he wants to do this and then he uses that stuff to like the sell. It just to sell the fish, right? And he uses a gimmick. But then it's really a an uh a side decoy ploy to target um innocent people from Gotham. He gets to and to the point of success from selling this damn fish that he tries to copyright his smiles <laughs> onto these fish. It's insane. It, it's like it, this episode deals with such a crazy idea, and then the fact that Joker goes to the means of copywriting an an idea. It's like he uses capitalism. They they like introduce an idea of capitalism in the Batman world. Oh, not in the Batman world because it's obviously it's already in there. Uh, but it's just like they created a toxin for the fish. It's such a crazy idea, and um, it, it's a decent episode. It's very entertaining. For me, it went by pretty fast because I couldn't help myself. Just how the fish look ridiculously drawn, but their animation is funny. Uh, the 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 smiles are very unique. It's it's his. It's like just little Joker fish. It's such a strange episode, but. Um, my other, my second one, my fourth, or my second episode that I like on my list is, uh, is Christmas with the Joker. And that's, that one, gosh, it's such a great holiday episode for everyone, because, and it's what it dawned that, that Yeah, little, it was Mark Hamill's, what, debut? Yeah, yeah that was his it was, debut his, as it Joker. was the first time as a Joker comes out, right? It's very important, and, like, what better way to bring him out in such a light-spirited holiday is Christmas. And, uh, that was the first time I hear is what that, that old kind of, uh... I, I would call them nursery rhymes with the Christmas thing, with the jingle bells, jingle bells thing. But you see Joker driving in the in the car through the snow, whipping around, and he's throwing uh, gifts of. Was there, I think they were like bombs or something. I think they were like bombs, yeah. like laughing gas bombs. And he's singing were. the song, the Christmas song. Uh, jingle bells, <laughs> Batman smells Robin Lady. Oh, it's so funny. Batmobile lost his way and the Joker got away. <laughs> yeah. So, like, we, we to see him go as dressed up as Santa and causing havoc in Gotham, and it's like Batman's to come out during such a holiday, or he's he's causing destruction during Christmas, and he wants to... And then, like, they go, like, Robin, they're like, he never saw It's a Wonderful Life, he never, like, Batman never got to see it, so Robin Dick's like, hey, let's have Christmas there, let's do it, let's end our patrol early, and, and yeah, watch, have... uh, watch It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. And to the point that Joker ends up hijacking a television station, <laughs> and ends up coming up with this cheesy Christmas special... Um, and of course he kidnapped like Commissioner Gordon, Bullock, and Summer Gleason. They're all kidnapped and he's holding them hostage. So now Batman and, and Robin have to go back out and, and they have to, they have to ruin their own holidays by going and trying to save the, the people out in, out in the studio that are held hostage. And that's a, that's a really fun episode because you get the first, that's the first glimpse of Joker and just how much he, he terrorized just within the first, the second episode of the series. Um, my next episode that I do like a lot is uh terror in the sky um episode 45 and the reason this episode stood out to me very much so uh is that for me it was one of the first times i see batman losing a fight he the man bat uh so gotham was getting terrorized uh, and through the night by a giant bat just flying around uh by these this harbor and so batman goes to investigate and he he's he is just right away he's just defeated so fast by the the man bat he's just stronger he flies around he's got like this sonar technology that um picks up on batman right away he, he's he's a very strong adversary but then later on batman finds out that it's actually dr kirk langstrom who's uh and his wife actually yeah 
who has like created the man bat formula and he's he's trying to use it again to cause havoc and so batman goes to him and you know kind of interrogates him and say hey what did i tell you not to do this anymore or langstrom but langstrom no he's all about trying to not not that make that happen like, yeah he's just trying not he wants to continue but to, i think it was what happened was like his father-in-law ends up making the formula and yeah. for some reason um his wife, uh, his wife Francine, ends up getting like I guess the glass broke and she touched it. and I guess some of the serum seeped into her bloodstream. Which so was, it wasn't, yeah. I mean, the episode wasn't that bad, you know. It was all right, you know. I wasn't like a big fan of Man Bat, but yeah, you know, it's a, it's a strange thing, right? Because yeah. the main character's named Batman, but like for me, I the reason I like this episode the most because like the antagonists were, for the most part, of of typical, you know, just. It was a doctor and his and his wife. She gets infected with it, and so he's he has other uh, other motivations because he wants to. You know, he's seeking revenge because his grandfather created this thing, and his wife got affected from it. But for me, it stood out the most just because Batman was getting his ass kicked everywhere. He couldn't, and then that was uh, they introduced. I believe it was the 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 bat bike, the motorcycle. In there, if it didn't come out before, it was I, I seen yeah, I think it. It in was there. the bike, yeah, uh, because he. He shoots his grappling hook onto him when he's flying. He, oh, he's yeah. going, and I was like, that thought that was so cool. And I could have—that's probably one of the things why we got the the bike toy in the first place. But like, seeing him get pummeled and pummeled, I was like, damn! I never seen Batman get hurt to the point to where it's like, wow! It's just from this character, you wouldn't think it's like really you're getting out of all the adversaries you fight, the Man Bat's gonna be the one that's like kicking you to the curb. It's crazy, um, but definitely one to check out. I uh, my next one is going to that. <laughs> is obviously one of my, one of my favorite characters is is the Riddler. So if you, you like the Riddler, I suggest you check out if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? And that's episode forty. Now, um and it gives us the origin story of uh or it gives us the introduction of uh, Edward Nigma as as uh the Riddler and he's just you know, Edward Nigma is an intelligent uh game creator in here in this in the series and he makes this new game called a new computer game called the Riddle of the of the Minotaur. And so he's he wants to get his royalties from it as a sole creator of it, but uh, the his investor Daniel Mockridge, who is just you know your corporate your corporate cat who just wants the money, ends up cutting him out of the deal, and so he ends up taking his his rights to the to the video game, cuts out Nigma, and so obviously Nigma's just extremely upset over this that he just, this is his creation, because all for Enigma, what was important for Enigma is his game of the riddle, and he, the his intellect, and the recognition, and that Enigma always held, he always thought he was better than Mockridge, because he's like, I'm intelligent, like he always carried himself to a higher regard because of his intelligence, so that was important to him, and Mockridge was about money, like, so Enigma wanted the money, but his most important thing was that his creation that was taken away, so this is why he plots a revenge, and he, uh, he ends up, kidnapping Daniel Mockridge uh, after after going into an altercation with the Batman to try to stop him, but he isn't successful, and they, they steal Mockridge. And so Batman and Robin go and try to catch him, and they uh, end up getting put into this game. Into Live action game. version. Yeah, version. and it was cool to see that at that days because it's like, wow, they're integrating computers, and like we never get to see him actually use it, and we see Robin playing the game. Oh, yeah, the funny thing is, if you guys actually seen the episode, we do. Rec- he, uh, Andy said that he recommends the episode. 
you hear it closely, the sound effects here are actually from yeah. Super Mario Bros. 3. Yeah, it's It's, so it's funny. I'm like, I'm thinking either, either the creator, the, uh, the sound engineer probably just went out and looked for the sound clips. It was still hilarious, though. But, it, like I said, I agree with that. It, it's it, an okay episode. Like, yeah. the Riddler, they made him, like, intelligent. I mean, if you see it on, on Frank Gorshin's performance, I mean, John Glover did a good performance as the Riddler on here. Like, Riddler was more yeah, dark okay. in here. But, you know, Frank Gorshin, to me, he's hilarious when he's the Riddler in the old 60s Batman. Okay, and then what's um, your number two? Uh, one, no, that was my number two. No, yeah, definitely, definitely check that episode. Um, because the Riddler is one of my favorite characters. He's very intelligent, and like they're they're solving riddles throughout the the episode, and it's just good because you see the video games and and how they integrated that with the with kind of the current technology of that time, and it's it's fun to see and them solving all these crazy riddles is cool because like I I like riddles and I like those sort of things and it makes you think and I like I like watching art media's and media that makes you think. Um, and now my final episode that I really enjoyed is, um, out of all the ones from that Joker appears in, uh, at least for the early ones, cause I tend to lean more towards the earlier half of Joker's portrayals is Joker's favor, which is episode 22. I think it's actually my number three. Yeah, so yeah. I actually agree on that one. That's an no, episode. That... I won't, I, yeah, now like I won't describe too much on the episode because like it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty plain plot for the most part, like, you know, run in the mill in the sense that like. It's typical, however, you know, simple You, you know what happens when you run into somebody far. on yeah. the street. You never know. You but never I mean, know. These films are running so run. unpredictable. And, of course, this was, like, the first appearance of Harley Quinn. Yes. So, it was funny, yo. The whole thing is, yeah, be careful who you run out to on the street. So, <laughs> for this guy named Charlie Collins, for some reason... Sorry to jump in. No, that's fine. Um, like I said, we both like this episode. Yeah, it's actually my number sure. three. Um, pretty much, you know, he runs into the Joker, like kisses at him, and to the point that Joker gets pissed, he chases it around, saying he, the Joker holds such a tough grudge because this guy like cuts him off, or he cuts off some guy in the street, and he's just the guy yelling, gets pissed, and yeah. he's tired of being like a pushover, and decides to cut the Joker off, which is and, yeah, out of all the people he cuts off, it's the Joker, and obviously you never want to. And then cut years off later, the Joker. and then like for him, for him. For the guy to get off the hook was Joker said, he's like, I'll do anything. And Joker's like, oh, you can do me a small favor. And then pretty much two but years later. He never said when to do the small favor. And it's like two years later. And like the guy's like in witness protection to the point <laughs> that Joker for somehow, some reason, ends up finding him. And finds this like where he's, he and his family were hiding in pretty much. We don't want to spoil the rest of the episode. We want you guys to check it out. I mean, it's a really good episode. Yeah, it's, it's good. It just, it's a good episode because it kind of captures the way how Joker's joker's manipulation on somebody and just off of the simplest thing just like you know just everyday interactions that we have with with people in this in this existence and how you how he manipulated this guy to the point that he had to go to witness protection program and he had him so scared for several years and it's it's like that's joker's power and it's not joker's not a physical character but it's like his he drives you insane and he drove Nine this man one. insane, and that's what, like, for me, that's what the Joker's all about, is that he he doesn't just hurt you physically, he, he just takes you out mentally. And this guy was just, he, gosh, he did a number on this on this Charlie Collins character, and it's just, like, you, you can't help but to feel bad for him, but it's like, hey man, don't mess with the Joker. Like, nobody told you to, <laughs> nobody told you to yell all this, it's like... Sorry, man. There's sometimes it's like you just gotta bite your tongue. <laughs> Even if, in that case, it's the Joker, and he was not lucky. But uh, yeah, we get to see Harley Quinn in this one, um, so we get to see his dynamic with her, and just how crazy they can be to just terrorizing people. It's just oh man, it's a great episode. And to then, check out. 
so now we'll go to my basically since one of my one of the episodes we already talked about. Yeah. So I'll just do the last four. I mean, we're kind of getting short on time. Um, I'm gonna go like uh, kind of little snippets. Um, number five was Heart of Ice, which introduced Mr. Freeze. And of oh, course, yeah. Um, Mr. Freeze, you know, he had a like in the comics, he was comical, and even in the show, he wasn't taken seriously on the '60s show. But they did a good job. Like Paul Dean did a good job, and Bruce Tim, they brought like this character and actually make you like sympathize with them because. It was a guy not, you know, why he turned to crime was to the point that, to the point he was trying to search for, like, he did these experiments, he worked for this company, and he was a scientist, he worked for Gothcorp, and pretty much, um, he wanted to find a way to, you know, help his wife, his wife had a condition, and he, you know, I knew the whole cryogenic freezing thing was, and, like, have her frozen, but keep her preserved until he can find a cure for her incurable disease. Of course, he gets, like, found out by his superiors, and he gets kicked out. And of course, later on, he be, even affects him. He ends up getting affected by a formula, which pretty much now he he can no longer be you know like eating to freeze. So basically, he can't you know be in normal temperatures. So he's wearing this suit, mm-hmm. and pretty much um, he gets revenge on the guy from Boyle who was the leader of um, Gothcore. And um, funny thing is, Mark Hamill did the voice of Ferris Boyle, so it was like Mark Hamill. Interacting with uh, Mr. Freeze, but of course he wasn't the Joker at that time. But it was a great episode. It was a really good episode. I really enjoyed it. And of course, I actually won a daytime Emmy for that yeah. show for standing writing. So, and number four was to be Where the Great Ghost. It was cool because that was Simon. Tra- it was Adam West coming in to voice a character not Batman, but actually <laughs> interacting with a current Batman. But kind of like what I like about that episode um, is because it kind of hit touch base with Adam West because of course. After the 60s Batman ended, you know, Adam West, you know, was doing convention appearances and rodeo shows and all that. But it was hard for him to find work, and he became a recluse, kind of, you know, got shut in, shut in because he couldn't find work. He was always typecast. And, of course, um, they bring him in because a lot of writers were fans of the old 60s Batman, you know, and they decided to integrate some of that personal thing. So it started off, you know, Batman being a kid, like, flashing back to when he used to watch the show called The Great Ghost, and Batman's a fan. And to the point, like, this guy who's copying the same crimes, like, this, like little remote cars are setting off bombs in Gotham, and pretty much, um, um, Batman figures out it's from a TV show, he remembers the Great Ghost, and of course he tracks down Simon Trent, of course, voiced by Adam West, you know, he's down as luck actor who's trying to get work, he's struggling, and to the point he's selling his merchandise to a pawn shop, and, you know, and... Of course, uh, finds out, Batman finds out where he is, and he tries to inspire him. Hey, you're the great ghost. You've always been a hero. You've been an inspiration for me. I kind of like, you know, it's like Kevin Conroy getting that's like kind of like the torch being passed from Adam West yeah. to Kevin Conroy, you know, saying, you know, it's old Batman with new Batman. And to me, it was a great episode. And I kind of, kind of like, I kind of like related to um, to Bruce being a big like he was starstruck because he's interacting with the great ghost. And of course, um. Joker's favorite was white number three, so we already talked space. Another good episode was called Almost Got Him, and um, it was a great episode. Uh, pretty much uh, all the villains are in this in this dive bar, or dive bar and they're playing cards, and pretty much they go around the table. It's Poison Ivy, Joker, Two-Face, and uh, Penguin, and of course Killer Croc, and Pace Leader playing cards, and they go around the table discussing, you know, points on, you know, how they almost got Batman. It was great seeing each individual story played out into the point <clears throat> sorry <coughs> sorry for coughing but it's at a point that later on killer croc you know tries to tell a story they're not paying attention to him and stuff but like hearing in each hearing all these villains like interacting with each other was great like the chemistry was great of course even though they recorded the episodes together but it's like it was great um different stories between all of them and of course killer croc ends up being batman and ended up catching all of them 
Because basically, Batman was doing like undercover work, trying to find out where Poison with the most recent one was the Joker had a run with him and Catwoman. And pretty much the whole base was Batman was trying to find out where Harley took Catwoman. So that's why Batman was dressed up as um, Killer Croc until he got the answer where she is. So, of course, there was a whole Catwoman getting saved by Batman, but still, it was a good episode. Um, and then my number one of all time is, is from the new Batman Adventures, which was called Mad Love, which basically was kind of like the origin of how Harley met the Joker. Because if you remember, Harley, she was a psychiatrist. She actually, she was a doc. she had a doctor in psychiatry. She was Harley Quinzel. <coughs> Let me get some water real quick. Sorry, guys. Um, as I was saying, she was a psychiatrist in Arkham and pretty much, um, she ends up doing these sessions for the Joker and eventually, you know, gets to the point that he, she herself got freaking crazy and, um, the Joker's good at, and, jo- and she ends up falling for the Joker and to the point she quit her job and the whole, it's like a series of flashbacks, but this was the whole thing, um, you know, Harley and Joker have a falling out, like, you know, Harley gets, you know, even she loves the Joker and Joker hardly pays attention to her, but... You know, she wants him to spend time romantically with him. With him, she wants him to spend time with her romantically, and um, and, she, and Joker's like, "Hey, if you're good enough, let's see if you can catch Batman yourself." And then she acts ends up catching Batman, and to the point that Joker ends up, you know, he gets jealous at first, and he ends up letting get Batman go, which was like, hilarious. But it was a good, it was a good story to the point it actually got adapted to the comics. It was actually released as a comic later on, eventually, and then later on got established as part of the DC universe. So, like I said, it was a great episode. Um, and like I said, um, we're actually running out of time here. Wow, we've actually been over an hour talking about Batman. And like I said, yeah. um, um, any final notes of the series at all? Um, I'd say if you are a humongous fan of Batman, and I really hope you check this series out, because it's very important to the, to the fan, lo- the, to the, the comic, and just to the character itself, and Batman's universal to this point, and it's such... This is a very important series to check out. Um, just from the animation to the sound to the score, the score, the 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 characters, the actors, just everything about it. It's such a c- complete show, and it's like we, I've, hey, we're, who knows when we'll get something along those lines closer to Batman in the way. And then, and I'm not shutting down the the later in, installments of Batman that try to introduce uh, at least animation wise, but this is definitely one to check out uh this series in whole is just one of the best uh one of the best there is and it, it's timeless it continues just from checking it out these past this past week and just to see kind of get nostalgic again and it's like you you notice things obviously for anything you check out when you're older as opposed to when you're a kid um you notice little jokes that you didn't catch right right away or just different plot lines or you see more emotional sides from each of the characters so you you gain more perspective on things too because like at the end of the day this show taught you things in each episode. Even if the, for the 22 or 22 minutes they had you looking at the screen, they 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 introduced so many different ideas and emotions and different sides to each character. It wasn't you know so there wasn't a straight plot line, but every uh, that reoccurred in, in each thing, each plot line was different. But that's what was unique about it is that it still it still captured each moment within each episode, no matter the antagonist he had. Even if Batman was in the background in some episodes and he wasn't the main part of in the spotlight, he's you know we were just as fine with the all Joker and Harley episodes. We were just as fine with that as watching an all just like a Batman episode or a Bruce Wayne episode when he you know when he dreams about his family. It's just this is an important series 
to see for people who love Batman, and just for as a, just perfect portrayal of the human spirit. Simple, um, but yeah, it's a beautiful show. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree. Like, actually, it was one of the shows. Like I said, I grew up watching that show after Adam West Batman. I mean, watching those episodes again, actually, I felt like a kid again. Basically, yeah, I felt like great. a kid, like a grade school kid again. And watching those episodes again, you know, it was hilarious. I was laughing. I was laughing at the jokes. I mean, even though it, the the show was in the ninety, it was long. It's an old show. It still hits me with that nostalgia feeling. You know, watching Batman, you know, laughing at the jokes. I mean, the Joker, the villains were great. I mean, the writing, the anim- even though the animation is dated, but it was still great. You know, writing and the way, it, you know, the, the writers and producers were trying to bring, you know, the comics from Batman, you know, to animated form. And it kind of helped establish Batman as a dark character and, you know, actually branch off to, like, the Justice League show. The Superman show ends up branching off later on, you know. Bruce Tim had some production with that show also. And then you had Justice League, Justice League Unlimited. Yeah. Then Young Justice, you know. And, then of course, you got the DC animated it's films. It's a launch pad. Like, it was a launch pad, you know. It was a launch pad for Warner Bros. to add more animation to the repertoire. But at the same time, get DC out there. I mean, because they had to compete with Marvel. You had, like, X-Men. Then you had Spider-Man the Animated Series. And, you know, get Batman, then bought Superman, then, like I said, Justice League. Overall, it was a great, it's a great show. Definitely something you guys should definitely check it out. It's really great. You can check it out on Amazon. You can buy the episodes, I think you can buy the episodes on iTunes, I believe. And then, um, like I said, you sit down with the kids, you know, and, you know, tell them about your childhood. Hey, I grew up watching Batman, because they're probably thinking Batman now. They're probably thinking, <coughs> thinking you know, Ben Affleck, Batman right now. And, of course, <laughs> this year we got the Justice League coming up. Yep. Uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see how that turns out. I mean, I'm I for one might not see it just because uh, I as far as DC Universe goes, I'm just Batman. Sorry, folks, I just only like Batman. Um, I'm not really, and it's not to slam DC. DC has a lot of unique characters as well. It's just I'm not, you know, I'm just not with him. I'm more uh, I'm like I'm more other. Well, not just Marvel, but like I like other. I just thought maybe I'm just a dick and I'm being biased towards DC, but for Batman, he's just like my favorite from them. But it's like if you're just gonna go, you know, from creator to creator. Uh, but I, Batman is just way too important to me. But yeah, Justice League's gonna be coming out, and I mean, you know, all we can hope is is that it's gonna be an entertaining movie. Uh, so if you guys are gonna be checking that out soon, definitely catch up with the animated series. Check out the Superman one. You know, get get familiar with these characters. And then we have the Superman one actually has the crossover between these two. So yeah, like Kevin it was, Car- yeah, Batman and Superman talk interacting with each other. So. Yeah, they did good with these crossovers. Like it was it was entertaining <laughs> to see how they all and it was all, they were all mainly the same type of art style. So it wasn't very conflicting. It wasn't like no. you're getting the Simpsons versus Family Guy bullshit. You know, you're getting they they worked hard with these crossovers. They weren't just doing some as as just some pool to just to get more ratings like. They did their jobs with these crossovers. They made everything work, and and it just helps when you have such a phenomenal show as Bat. And just when you have such a phenomenal team like that, it's like that was just they captured lightning in a bottle. Simple as that with this series, just amazing. All right, guys. So once again, thank you for listening to the Talking Pop. Make sure to check it out on Podbean. Um, also check out my YouTube channel, which is the Franchise Network, for you know the weekly vlog, which is called the Franchise Talks. Pretty much. I talk about, you know, stuff I've done when it comes to pop culture, you know, video games and more. If you guys have any, you know, ideas or topics that me and Andy should discuss for future episodes of Talking Pop, make sure to go to my Facebook page, make sure to like it, and post your suggestions there. Or you can follow me on Twitter, at TheFranchise85. And, you know, like I said, if you guys have any ideas that, or any topics you want me and my bro to talk about in future episodes, like I said, feel free to share. We'll really talk about it. Yeah. So, once again, thank you for listening. Until next time. 
Geek on and take care.